stars in the brightly shine, the joy and gladness make us that we
showered by thy power, Christ confessed. Let us win our Saviour's blessing. O gentle dear, from heaven now fall, with power upon the hearts of all, thy tender that found the law of love fulfilling. Dwell thus in us, envy vanish, strife will vanish where thou livest. Peace and love and joy thou givest. Grant while life will last, in purest holiness be past, be thou our strength and tower, from sinful loss and vanity. Let us happily life inherit. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this short confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the Word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord fills the world, alleluia, the righteous shall be glad. They shall exalt before God, they shall be jubilant with joy, alleluia. God. 
God, sing praises to his name, exalt before him. Awesome is God from his sanctuary. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Spirit of the Lord fills the world, hallelujah. The righteous shall be glad. They shall exalt before God. They shall be jubilant with joy, hallelujah. Have mercy upon us, Christ to God on high. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee, glorify Thee, thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the earth begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou art not holy, thou On this day, you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit, granting us this day the same Spirit to have a right understanding in all things and to evermore rejoice in his holy consolation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament lesson for the Feast of Pentecost is written in the 11th chapter of the first book of Moses, commonly called the Genesis, beginning at the first verse. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as, as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said unto one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. 
and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will be able to do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's language. So the Lord dispersed them over the whole face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The epistle lesson is written in the, in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the first verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, and it rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mockingly said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And give ear to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, that in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your older men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my, my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below and blood and fire and smoke and vapor. And the, blood, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah! When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And when you renew the face of the ground, Hallelujah! Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Hallelujah! is written in the 14th chapter of St. John, beginning at the 23rd verse. Glory be to thee, Lord. Jesus answered him, 
If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but of the father who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say unto you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the rule of the world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me. So the world may know that I love the Father. Arise and let us go from here. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Oh, Lord. 
Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It had been 28 hours since he had jumped out of the door of the DC 3 over Normandy. 28 hours since Lieutenant Ray, Waverly Ray, of the 505 Parachute Infantry Regiment. And now he was in St. Mariglise in Normandy little ways from the beach, and he could hear, just off to the northwest, a lot of sound. Clearly the Wehrmacht, the German army, was preparing for a counterattack against their position. They only had 682nd Airborne men in, in the town, and to his, he had no knowledge at the time, but over 6,000 Germans were heading their, in their direction with tanks and artillery and, and other nastiness. They were going to drive the Americans into the sea. So, Lieutenant Waverly, who was a Mississippi boy, a backwoodsman, deer hunter, claimed he had never missed a shot in either shotgun or rifle. And the men believed him because coming from Batesville, Mississippi, he was an avid woodsman, skilled, like I said, in firearms. But he's also a dedicated Christian. He already survived Sicily and Italy, big guy. And he never uh, swore, never drank, never chased girls and he gave half of his pay to help build the church back home. And so the other paratroopers called him the deacon. He always told the truth. And he wanted to come and bravely contend, as we just sang, through life and death for God. And so he went out to scout and he chased, he went out to scout just like a, a deer hunter and he snuck up on a, a German forward command post and literally took out the, the battalion's leadership, the enemy's battalion leadership. Tried to get him to surrender, but when somebody pulled a gun, he had to kill them all, all seven of them. And he was wounded, so he went back to the aid station in St. Mariglise. He got his, what was left of his ear patched up, grabbed a uh, mortar team, and went back out and did some more, more damage to the enemy. He was the kind of guy that would not let his heart be troubled. He would never let it be afraid. And on this Memorial Day weekend, it's probably guys like that that we should probably maybe remember a little bit. And yet God's word to us, let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid, also is something we should consider. Because why are our hearts troubled? Why are we afraid? We think about that very much, probably should, right? You see, what's interesting about today's gospel lesson for Pentecost is, is that the word for afraid isn't the normal word, which is the word phobos. That's the word normally used for fear, phobos. Like fear or terror, or in the context of God, it'd be reverence, or in the context of people, respect. Now, the word that, that Jesus uses here is a different word. It's the word deliao. The root is delia. And you know what this word means? It means the fear of cowardice. It means the fear that is cowardice. So what Jesus is really saying is, be not, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither be a coward. Are we cowards? You know, the great, the great uh, Christian statesman Edmund Burke from Ireland once said that all it takes for evil men to succeed is for the good men to do nothing. And Christians, we're really good at that, aren't we? We're really good at doing nothing. And is it because we're cowards? 
that we do nothing? That we don't have to be cowards? No. Rather, we can take heart. Because the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, a younger pastor, he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That's very profound, isn't it? Especially coming from the words of the writer, St. Paul. Because St. Paul, when the first Pentecost occurred, St. Paul went by the name Saul of Tarsus. That was what the name he had then. And Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee, and he was a dedicated enemy of Christ and a dedicated enemy of those who followed him. In fact, we know from Acts chapter 7 that when St. Stephen was murdered, the first martyr was murdered, they, that the murderers laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they stoned Stephen. And as he was dying, he called out to God saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And then he died. Saul, who we call St. Paul, was the one that orchestrated that murder. But it's also this same Saul who was on the road to Damascus with arrest warrants for all Christians so that they might be taken back in chains to Jerusalem and tried for heresy and executed when Christ struck him down and said, Saul, why do you persecute me? And St. Paul was born that day. Such a significant change in character and belief, is it not? It is. We see this same change on Pentecost among the disciples. Because we see, you know, before Pentecost, before Acts chapter 2, 1 to 21, back in John, John 29, 19, we saw how the disciples were cowering behind locked doors like cowards for fear of the Jews, for fear of Jesus' opponents. They, they hid oh, behind locked doors. They had no courage at all. And yet all that fear and all that cowardice just evaporates like the dew before the sun on Pentecost when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as, as, a, as of a rushing mighty wind and it fills the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared upon, upon, over them tongues as of fire. One sat upon each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak as God gave them utterance. And the rest, as they say, is history. In other words, timid, fearful men, cowards, became bold, fearless declarers of God's word. Absolutely. Yes, these followers, these disciples, were transformed by the Holy Spirit into apostles, those who were sent into pillars of the church. And they remained pillars of the church until they all, all of them, were martyred. They all experienced violent death and murder from the opponents of Christ rather than deny Jesus. That's how brave they were. With the exception of St. John, he's the only one that didn't suffer a martyr's death. And I think that's because he already went through the martyr's death when he stood at the cross while Jesus was crucified. Because he's the only one that didn't desert Jesus at the cross. That's why he merely goes to exile. Because the cross must be endured somehow. You either do it with Jesus or you experience it later. Like Paul did when he was beheaded for the faith. But it is amazing, isn't it? That they were all transformed from cowards 
the bold declarers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? They wouldn't be silent. You see, as Christians, don't we see evil all around us, especially within our own hearts? Right? And yet, do we seek to oppose evil? Especially within our own, our own hearts? Or do we condone it? I think we condone it through our silence and our cowardice because we don't want to go to war with our own sins. And if we can't even go to war with our own sins, then how can we oppose sin in others or in the world? That's why we tolerate evil, or at least, you know, tolerate within ourselves. And yet Christ has called us to speak the truth in love. Why? Because we need to understand, just as everyone around us must understand, that the wages of sin is death, and the soul that sins shall die. That God's, God's Son became incarnate, and the Holy Spirit was made man, not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Yes, and so Christ calls us to go and to understand this truth. Because the problem is, even for the Christian who claims to be a Christian and yet does not believe really, Jesus makes it very clear in Matthew 7 that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. In other words, as Jesus says in today's gospel lesson, those who love me will keep my words. That is true Christianity. We have to, we have to strive to keep his words. We have to. That's the reason why in Matthew 18, 15, Jesus teaches the disciples and us that if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Yes, we have to confront sin, not, be, not cowardly run from it. In the first place, we have to confront sin is in ourselves. confronting sin is not about condemning people it's about ultimately winning our brother it's about winning our brother that's the reason why saint paul the same person who oversaw the murder of saint stephen he wrote to the galatians later he said brethren if a man is overtaken in any trespass you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if someone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work. In other words, what I think St. Paul is telling us here is the first person we're not to be a coward with is, is the one we see when we look in the mirror, right? Is that we should take upon ourselves a rigorous moral inventory of ourselves first and confess our sins to God and then each other and where, where possible make amends and trust in God for his forgiveness. Because ultimately we, are all, we all must cling to Christ Jesus' merits and not our own. Because as Paul said, we are nothing. Yes. That's the reason why God told the Apostle Paul, the same Apostle Paul that was once called Saul, when he had a, a, a thorn in his side, a physical torment that God did not take from him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in, in your weakness, which is also the banner over the, the exit to the sanctuary behind you. And this is the reason why we come to this sanctuary every Lord's Day. We come bringing our weaknesses. We come bringing our sins and our failures and our insufficiencies. We come and we confess these things to Christ. Here is where we relinquish our self-deceptions and we abandon our errors and goodnesses, confessing our sins. And then we are embraced by Christ's loving forgiveness as he absolves us of our sins. I mean, we hear the, the, the absolution from the lips of one whom Christ has called and ordained, but the absolution is not from me, the pastor, or, or any of my colleagues. It's from Christ himself. Because if we confess our sins, God promises that he's faithful and just, and he will forgive you your sins, and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
And then finally, we hear God's words here. And Christ then nourishes our souls as he nourishes our bodies with his own body and blood in Holy Communion, where we taste and see Jesus' eternal life-giving forgiveness. And we know we receive his peace. Yes, because in today's gospel lesson, Jesus promises us that my peace I will leave with you. My peace I will give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be cowardly. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to see everybody here uh, during this um, Memorial Day weekend and also for the Feast of the Pentecost. And uh, just please note the blue news for this week. There's not a lot going on, but we do have the men's steak dinner uh, on, on Saturday. So just FYI on that. And uh, so um, anyway, so and then also we do have some prayer requests this morning from the first service. Uh, Jerry Thornton. Uh, asked that we pray for Virginia, his mother. Uh, she has, um, has pancreatic cancer and is very sick and is not expected uh, to live much longer. So they just ask for prayers. That's where they are this morning. And then also Bob and Kim um, Stillman asked that we pray for them as they travel to Missouri this week. Also, Mike Rogers asked for prayer for an outcome uh, on his parents' decision whether they're going to move or not to assisted living. And then we also have a prayer to con for the continued healing of Gray Hankins, uh, who is now back home with her husband, Pat. And also uh, Hector and Amanda uh, ask that we pray for uh, Chris Dawson, 
uh, Amanda's mother who is experiencing kidney failure and is going through testing. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for Doris and Alice, for Joyce and Mary, for Mary Alice and Mark, Eddie and Norma, Kim and Suzette, for Stephen and Melissa, for Bonnie and Gray, for Bob and Martha, for Marion and Meredith and James and George and Larry Dean and Earl, for Suzette and, 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 and Bob, Mallory and Mark, for Hank and Jay, Tracy and Michelle, Carl and Karen, Jimmy and Tina, <clears throat> Ainsley and Kevin, Ron and Jesse, for Ralph and Theo, Easton and Waylon and Ryan, and we also pray for the families of our parish who mourn, especially the, the Pierce family, the Dieterding family, the Parsons family, the Bolton and Heil families, the Blackwell and Cooper family, and the Blunt and Davis families. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. For call on those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing, you share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray especially this day for Virginia uh, and also we pray for uh, also um, for Chris, we're both um, very seriously ill. Almighty and everlasting God, the eternal salvation of them, of them that believe, hear our prayers on behalf of Virginia and, and Chris, for whom we offer up our supplications. We implore thy aid and mercy for them, for them that if be your will, you would restore them to their former health so, they, so that they may render thanks to thee in thy church. We ask this through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We also pray um, for, you know, for your continual guidance for both uh, the Rogers uh, family as they make decisions for uh, the next move, and also we pray for Gray Hankins as well as she, as she continues to get better. O oh Lord God, Heavenly Father, look down from heaven, visit, behold, and relieve thy servants, uh, the Rogers, and also give them wisdom as to the right decision to make. And we also pray that you'll continue to uh, consider Gray uh, with, the, with the eyes of thy comfort, that you would look on all, all of them and defend all of them from the dangers of the enemy and keep them all in perpetual safety and peace through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And finally, we pray for uh, Bob and Kim and all others who must travel uh, in this next week. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you watched over Abraham and Sarah in their many, many years of, of pilgrimage. You guided the Magi safely to the infant Jesus and home again. We pray now, Heavenly Father, for Bob and Kim and all others who travel, that you would keep them safe upon the way and that you would make their homecomings joyful. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever.